Damn. Damn, made the motion. All right, and Lou, do you have a question related to this, or is it was it for the motion? It was for the motion. Gotcha. The, as far as pro protocols go, maybe if we can just remind everybody, so the right protocol. Sure. So we had had a discussion last at last meeting here. Uh, effectively, votes will be taken through the raising your hand um, uh, virtually here uh, to identify a an affirmative vote. So the the motions will be posed in statements, um, and then people will vote for that motion uh, by virtually raising their hand. So we have a definitive count and um, nothing is implied. I, um, I hate to say it, but I don't see where I can raise my hand right now. Yeah, ditto for Sam. So Thank if you. you go down to the bottom of your screen, there should be um, an icon that pops up when you hover near the bottom that says participants. Yes. If you click on that, it will open a side window where it has a list of all the names and there should be a, a button at the very bottom that says raise hand. Got it. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Got it. Okay. So I heard a motion in a second, and now uh, all in favor, please raise your hand. Okay. Looks good. It will pass. Thank you. Okay. So we are ready to move on to an item I don't understand yet, which is called public comment. It looks like it's got a Legistar number. Is there, or is this simply disclosures and recusals? So this is a, a new section that, um, we, we've had before, but this is a way for if somebody wanted to register online to speak to this item. This is if someone had something to say in general to the board, not specifically relating to the item on the agenda or any other items on the agenda. So if no one registered, there is no public comment today. Okay, so we'll move to, to disclosures and recusals on item two, which is our only item. Do you have your hand raised? Yes, uh, I need to recuse myself. I've been uh, involved in this project from quite an early stage, so I just need to recuse myself and will not participate in any discussion or discourse. All right. Excellent. Item number 62197. Excellent. Um, seeing what Noah, well, let's see. There's potentially the uh, discussion items three at the end here. Yep. So what we'll do then is recuse you here. I will mute you and we'll consider you recused. Okay. So Any others? All right. Seeing none. Okay. We'll move on to item two, 654 word drive. Turn it over to you, Kyle, first. All right. So item two, 654 word drive. This is a petition for a variance. Uh, they are seeking a variance from IBC section 507.5. This is a section that requires uh, where buildings that are not more than two stories above the grade plane and they are equipped with an automatic sprinkler system uh, are allowed to have an unlimited area, must be surrounded by adjoining public ways or yards not less than 60 feet in width. What they are seeking a variance for is to uh, have a pedestrian, a covered and enclosed pedestrian walkway, which uh, infringes upon this required 60 foot width. So uh, we have multiple buildings. We have a connection between two of those buildings, and um, that is what infringes upon uh, the 60-foot right away. The remaining portions of the code are, are all met. The, the building is free on all other areas. So um, with that, we will turn it over to the applicant here to make the presentation, and then the board can uh, ask questions and deliberate. So uh, Jody, if you want to unmute yourself and start. Sure. Thanks, Kyle. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes. Yes, great. Well, first off, uh, my name is Jody Shaw. I'm an architect with Potter Lawson Architects. I've been working with Exact Sciences for the past about seven years or so, and I was a project manager for all of the work that's gone down on the old Rayovac campus, and that's the area that we're actually talking about here today. Um, first and foremost, I wanted to say that I'm not um, – this is really a variance that we're requesting for for this specific site and this specific uh, 
uh, building and exact science, what they do there. It's truly, it's truly a unique situation. This is in no way meant to be a precedent for anything, really. Um, I apologize. I don't know how familiar you all are with the site, so I'm going to get a little bit of background to it. Um, basically, the main reason we're requesting this is directly adjacent to this site is the NBC 15 uh, News Tower. It's a 1,300-foot-tall uh, tower. It's basically their radio tower for all of their broadcasting. Um, every year, during certain atmospheric conditions, that tower collects ice. This is something that's been known for quite a long time. The Rayback Building was on site beforehand, received damage from it. But as ice forms, it will eventually melt. And when it melts, um, that ice actually falls from the tower. And it falls kind of in multiple forms. Uh, typically, it falls just as snow, quite honestly. But when certain um, weather conditions are correct, you get large chunks that will fall off of the tower itself. is actually um, held up by multiple guy wires that actually surround the tower. They're about, I think they stretch out to about 500 feet from the base. Um, so you get large chunks of ice that will fall off the side of the tower itself. Then off the guy wires, you actually get, we, we call them ice, for lack of a better term. They're literally five, six, ten foot long shards of ice that will fall off. The majority of these by far fall directly down. Um, that's why the NBC has a lot of uh, metal protection over a lot of its exterior building pieces. But when the wind is blowing correctly, this will actually of that ice and hit surrounding areas. Back in um, 2011, the Beltline itself was closed down for over three hours. Um, so what we did as a project team is we hired RWDI out of Canada, which is a professional engineering group that looks at these things, that performed a study of how often will what we refer to as dangerous ice events occur. Um, and this is in some of the information I provided under the, I think it's under the assessment. Um, and basically, they said that two to three times a year, um, exacts can expect dangerous ice fall events that cause damage uh, both to people and to property. Um, and that was that was basically their prediction. Um, what they said from that, their recommendations are that um, anybody moving between buildings, moving to cars, things of that nature, we should employ covered walkways. So um, that's just one of the strategies that are being used throughout the campus. We have two-inch concrete pavers over the entire building. We've got a concrete structure over the parking lot itself. We have perforated aluminum panels that actually cover all the sides of the parking lots. Really, all I'm just trying to say is that these are um, these are all strategies that we've been forced to adopt to protect the property and the people on that campus from the falling ice. And I can say in their first year of operation, um, they actually did have several events. There was a construction vehicle on site that the windshield was blown out from ice fall. Um, on top of their warehouse section, we installed um, numerous skylights with uh, Dane County hurricane um, proof coverings, and one of those was actually cracked and had to be replaced, and they've had to actually replace three of the concrete pavers on top of the roof structure. So uh, it is a real thing. It actually does happen. Um, so what we did with the um, recommendations from that study is between one exact lane, which is on the north side of the campus, and 654 Drive, which is the clinical lab and the production lab, the building we're actually talking about, we have a 20-foot wide, 60-foot long pedestrian connection that's fully enclosed and has um, concrete pavers on the roof of that, and it's that specific pedestrian walkway that infringes upon the 60-foot barrier. Everywhere else around that site, we do have the 60 feet clear. We've worked uh, pretty closely with uh, Bill Sullivan from the fire department to make sure that he's satisfied that um, he can fight fires both from without and within the building itself. Um, some of the things that we feel we've done with the building to increase the level of protection, knowing that we've got that pedestrian connection within that 60-foot area, is that um, the code actually allows um, unlimited area buildings to be made of actually of any construction type, i.e. it could be made of a combustible construction type. An example of that would be like, I think, Menards, things like that, but they actually have wood trusses and things like that. But um, the building itself is a non-combustible construction type 2B. The pedestrian walkway is also non-combustible construction due to the requirements for that. But also even the building that's 
being connected one exactly, and that also is non-combustible construction. So we provide an elevated level of protection through that. And again, we work with um, the fire department to actually add stand pipes within the building so that, um, I mean, obviously there's semi-limited access into the building from around the entire building, but once in, we're providing additional stand pipes so that the fire department is an easier way to fight fires if something occurs deeper within the building. Obviously, the building is fully sprinklered, fully compliant with that, um, and we are adding an additional fire barrier on the south end of the pedestrian connection at the request of the, the fire department. Um, and that's really the majority of the information. Um, I'm happy to go through any of the drawings that were included in the, in the, uh, the packet or any of the um, additional information. So this is a variance that we're requesting because specifically that ice fall is a, is a threat to both Itself. Exact science um, in this building, this is where they actually test all of the cold guard tests themselves. And I don't know how familiar you are with cold guard. I don't want to go into too much detail, but basically this is the, the colon cancer test, colon cancer test. These tests come to the building and have a specific time limit on when they can be tested. So even during ice events, during anything that occurs, exact science is operational in a building. This is not a situation where because in an ice event, everybody can just leave. They have to stay there because if those products um, expire, for lack of a better term, they lose all of that. And obviously they're nationwide, and that presents a lot of problems for their just their core business model. So it's not really something that they can just leave the building. So this connection piece is the actual physical connection piece that gets them from 654 Drive eventually to parking structures and to other parts of the building. So it's a, a critical piece of the infrastructure for the facility itself. Um, I'll try to be respectful of your time, and I, I'll just open it up to questions, or if there's any clarifications that I can provide, please let me know. Well, I guess I'll start. Uh, clearly, this is an extremely unique situation, as you see, as you said, and I see it as, you know, it's not certainly not setting a precedent no. uh, in any way. It's it, this situation would come up extremely rarely. Um, fire department supports it, not even conditionally, but just straight ahead approval. It looks like Bill, which indicates you're you're fully behind it and understand the need, which I certainly do. You know, there's a need for this. This is not just somebody wanting to do something. It's it's needed for protection. So, uh, well presented, and uh, I get it. And uh, that's my comment. So, anybody else? Richard. Bill, you're happy with it as far as uh, doing the uh, conditional approval? Yeah, yeah, Rich. We uh, we worked with. And kind of got a lot of these things kind of ironed out before they got to the point of supplying or applying for the variance. And um, kind of like what everybody else's understanding is that this is a very unique situation. Um, Regards of the, you know, and um, the, the ice events, we, we agree that this is going to be a one one off kind of situation and understand the, the need for having that uh, pedestrian connection. Thank you. All right, anybody else? Greg, is that you with a hand up? 
Yeah, um, I just I moved to approve the variance as uh, uh, with the third uh, department condition. Okay, it's been moved. Is there a second? I see a number of hands. Gail, Sam, Richard. I'll I'll second the motion. Okay, moved and seconded. All in favor, please raise your hand. And I see Lou is recused, so uh, we have a vote. It looks good. So uh, everybody votes in favor. So it is. Jim, are you voting in favor here? Yes, I am not able to vote. I when I go up to mine, it just says mute, so I'm unable to vote. I mean, I'm unable to raise my hand. Okay, you're voting. But, uh, I'm voting in favor, so that would make it. If I'm reading it right, it makes it unanimous with one abstention. So motion is approved. Okay. So thank you, Jody. Thank you all. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Jody. Thanks, thank Jody. You. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Meanwhile, we move on to a discussion item, which is item three. And so this is a, a new section as well. Um, so that if, if any staff member has any announcements about upcoming meetings, for example, this would be the time to, to make those. Okay, so there's no item under it right now. It's just an opportunity? Correct. This this will be appearing on future agendas exactly how it is. Um, it's a, a template item that I guess the city attorney wants us to use going forward. Okay, and this, is, this does not mean that I say, does anybody want to say anything or announce anything? That's not the intention. It would have to be a formally uh, formal it, it, item put on the agenda. It doesn't have to be a formal um, agenda item. Um, for example, in other meetings, they would use this opportunity to say, we don't have any cases coming up for next month or something. It's, okay. it's very unguided in what you use for, and it's not required. So if there are no communications or announcements, that just needs to be stated. I'm going to try one, and you tell me if it's appropriate. Um, I would like to ask Kyle, yeah. you, I, I would like to ask you, I have heard that your department is now issuing uh, residential remodeling uh, permits, which you weren't for a while, when it was within an occupied house. Is that true? When the public health department um, put out an emergency order that allowed for interior residential work to resume, we resumed issuing permits. Okay. Good. I, I hope that's helpful to other people here as well. Is that an appropriate item then to discuss, or is that just really outside the meeting? I mean, you're certainly welcome to ask a question. Um, usually they are more in tune with the, the board's specific purpose, but there are real, not really any restrictions. Okay. Sure. Probably not the most appropriate time to ask that question, but given that some people are here who are involved, they might want to know. So sure. I guess I'm glad I did it, even though I probably wouldn't do that again because I can see it's not really appropriate in that item category. So yeah. no, no problem, Jim. Gail, you had your hand raised. Yes, just because it's kind of a weird situation that we don't see each other anymore. <laughs> um, and I just want to get permission. I know it's kind of out of the area that we usually would be in, but we're in a meeting. And I don't know where else to ask this. But I know that I give out, um, sorry, I give out packer schedules. Um, and I'm wondering if it's okay I get everybody's addresses from Kyle or Carrie and I send you one of these since this is the only way we're going to contact each other because of this weird, weird world we're in right now. So if I'm reading you right, you're just saying, is it okay with people to send something? Yes, that's it, and get their addresses. I could get it from, like I said, Carrie or Kyle. I don't want to offend anybody and just do it. I just want to make sure everybody is okay with that. Can we raise our hands if we're okay with that? That works for me. 
I'm okay with it. I can't raise my hand, but I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay, you can, can you see the raised hand scale? Yeah, I okay. can see that. I appreciate it. I will work with Terry uh, maybe to get that done. Okay, so um, let's Bill, see. You had, Bill had also had his hand raised here before the, the – you have a question here, Bill? Yeah, Kyle, I thought maybe we should talk, let's talk a little bit about Tom Asset, just kind of make sure everybody's aware of that. Um, uh, so uh, I'll take it. So okay. the city of Madison and the town of Madison have uh, reached an agreement for the city of Madison to take over fire department responsibilities. Included in the town of Madison's fire department responsibilities was uh, inspection and permitting for building work related within the town. So that agreement was voted on last week at the council meeting and was approved. And um, the city attorney's office, in consultation with the fire department and building inspection, have been that that agreement and uh, effective November 1, 2020. So just a little over a month from now, we're going to be assuming the city of Madison is going to be assuming the fire department responsibilities as well as the building inspection responsibilities. So I'm going to stick to specifically the building inspection related element for the purposes of the board here. Um, what this agreement means is that the town of Madison will continue to remain the town of Madison, but the city of Madison will uh, take over all permitting and inspection related activities. So we're going to be receiving from the town of Madison documents as far as open permits, inspections that have been completed, any new applications are going to need to come to our office. Effectively, they are adopting the City of Madison ordinances for building, heating, electrical, plumbing. There will be no distinction uh, from a building perspective between the Town of Madison and the City of Madison. Uh, they will need to still obtain Dane County zoning approval before projects can move forward because they will remain the town until it is officially uh, annexed into the City of Madison, which I believe is 2021. 2022 bill. I think it's 2022, October of 2022. October of 2022. So uh, at that point, they would be completely annexed into the city of Madison and subject to all of the zoning restrictions. Um, but that's really the only, only sort of difference from a building perspective. Uh, what it means for this board and just in general is that uh, individuals from the town of Madison that are coming to us for permitting and inspection services and could potentially need a variance would then come to this board. The town of Madison has adopted our ordinances which would direct them here to this board for any projects needing a variance. So it is possible um, in the future, starting in November, that we could see a variance for an element in the town of Addison. Bill, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, just to expand on that. Um, so the fire department will be handling all emergency responses um, within the town of Madison, both fire and EMS. Um, in addition, that we will be doing our routine fire inspections, um, fire alarm, fire sprinkler, and fire protection system plan review, um, as well as doing um, underground and above ground tank storage inspections and plan review and working with them to also do the all the elevator conveyances um, plan review inspection testing and, and the whole gambit there so any questions that i assume this is going to um staffing is going to be adjusted and modified and probably i'm asking more building is not <laughs> a building inspection um, through that, so uh, maybe I'll just leave it at that. I'm curious the effect on staffing um, and what our, our staffing is. is. Our staffing levels are going to remain at the current appropriated levels. We'll be taking on those new services and working them into our, our schedules as, as we have ability to do so. We have questions from Randall and then Richard, respectively. Yeah, Randy? We've got um, two. First one kind of goes with the town of Madison. Uh, make sure you check with your MOUs for the plan review and the variances with the state. Then they had a question on what's at the top of the agenda today. We've got the, the few different things there, like who benefits, et cetera. Is that something this board has to consider? Is that that is a citywide um, change that is on all agendas and has been, I think, for the past month or so uh, to try and encourage all uh, 
board members, no matter which board they're on, to include more thoughts about equity and the public uh, who these boards serve ultimately. Is it something we have to specifically address for each item, or is it just a recommendation to think about it? Because most of our rule is just determining if there's equivalency to the code intent. So with regards to this board specifically and, and in general, this is just uh, the city putting that information on the agenda to keep that at the front of people's minds as far as what you're considering. It should in no way supersede any of the responsibilities that you have uh, as a board to make a, a decision for the code, but it is something that the city is looking to always try and stress is, is being considered as far as how the decisions that are being made on a board level uh, impact the, the broader community from an equity perspective. So it's not a formal discussed consideration at all as part of the minutes or anything? Just keep it in our minds as we take our normal actions. It's only a discussed component if the board members choose to bring that up as a topic of discussion when considering any sort of an agenda item. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Rich? Uh, yeah, will, will the town then be paying for these costs that the city is for fire and uh, building? And are there any liability issues as far as performing, performing these services within this two-year period? Let me... Uh, let me jump on a couple things here. I'll answer Rainey's question real quick. Uh, yes, we are going through the process to uh, the state to be delegated agent authority for, for everything uh, as we have with uh, Shorewood and the town of Blooming Grove. Um, we, we are now just rolling in building inspection with that as well. Um, so that, that is our process. Um, it will be, uh, like Kyle said earlier, it will be a contract for services, Rich. Um, you know, so any fees for... Um, plan reviews and permits and all of those things are all going to be applicable as if it was in the city of Madison versus the town of Madison. Um, and then I don't know what the number is, but there is a number out there that'll, that we would get from the town to pay for response services. Um, I, I, I could throw a number up, but it would be a total, total oh, that, That's okay. Yeah, there, there, there is some number that the township that the town would be paying the city of Madison to provide the emergency responses. Okay, thank you. All right, anybody else uh, have anything? If not, um, is there a motion to adjourn? I'll make that motion to adjourn. I'll second it. Okay, move and second. All in favor, please raise your hand. We are good. Thank you for coming, and we are officially adjourned. And I just want to add one thing. I just want to thank Kyle and Carrie for all their hard work, especially through these times and, and doing the things on Zoom and stuff. Uh, you're both doing a great job. Thank you. Hopefully we continue to get better at it every time. So. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.